Good morning. It's Monday. Hold on. Never mind. Let me change that. Good morning. It's Monday, April 10th, 2023. I'm Herb Morgan, Senior Managing Director and Chief Investment Officer, managing the ETF strategy portfolios here at Cantor Fitzgerald Investment Advisors. This is my weekly economic and market commentary. The presentation has been prepared by us for use with you, whether you are an investor or a financial advisor. Regardless, each are expected to make their own investment decisions. Nothing contained in the presentation should be treated as investment advice. There are no recommendations for the purchase or sale of any securities. The information contained herein is purely for informational purposes only. Well, big cap stocks and big international stocks were flat to slightly higher last week, but uh, a sea of red in mid and small cap equities here in the US. In fact, small cap has now moved negative for the year. That's about a 763 basis point delta uh, between the S&P 500 and the S&P small cap 600. We're gonna go back and take a look and see what happens typically after that kind of divergence, but we'll, we'll come back to you with that maybe next week. International develop was higher, but emerging markets were lower. Um, on fears of an economic slowdown, not just signs of recession ebbing, uh, but on fears of an economic slowdown, Treasuries caught a bid last week, and uh, the aggregate bond index was up 1.1%. Long-dated U.S. Treasuries were up to almost 2.4, and now pretty significant 9% return for the year. If you remember last year, long-dated Treasuries were among the worst-performing asset classes that we tracked here in the weekly commentary. The economic data last week, for the most part, continues to suggest that we have either entered a mild recession or are entering a mild recession. Um, we may not even know that till we're well into it. And you know, I've made this call now, I guess it's been three or four weeks, um, where I've said, I believe we are in uh, a contraction of some type, uh, whether or not it will ultimately be declared, officially declared recession is unknown at this point, but I think it will be. Let's start with uh, S&P Global's report on uh, March manufacturing. That came in at 49.2. The estimate was 49.3. That's the fifth month below 50, meaning the fifth month of contraction in manufacturing. I hard-pressed to see uh, that you don't get in a recession with five or six months of a contraction in the manufacturing sector. Now, to be fair, manufacturing only represents about 15% of the U.S. economy. The other report on manufacturing, which comes from the Institute for Supply Management, or ISM, came in at 46.3. That means contraction. That was below the estimate, and was in this one, it was the sixth consecutive month below the 50 line, also signaling, in my view, a manufacturing recession. Now, to be fair, services sector, um, which is 85% of the U.S. economy, the uh, PMIs there were above 50. S&P Global Services, but S&P Global's services PMI, 52.6. It was a little below expectations, but it was positive, and it's a reversal of a trend, as you can see here, 
the trend mill hasn't been the greatest, but that's going higher and that turned positive. If you want to be glass half full, then you look at ISM, this is you know competitive report, and here uh, we have had a significant declines, but only one month below 50. So what we may be entering is really, a, or maybe in, is a manufacturing recession, and the services side catches up later as the job losses begin to accumulate, and I think that's starting to happen. We'll get to that shortly. Uh, construction spending for the month of February was down a tenth of a percent. You can see that the year over year, which is the right-hand scale, is down about 5%. And we're finally seeing the one thing crack that needed to crack to really break the back of inflation, and that's the labor market. Now, that's just because we won't reduce or freeze government spending. It's just a cultural thing here in the United States that our, our Congress won't do that. But uh, if you raise interest rates, you reduce your money supply, all of these things that are disinflationary, uh, but you still have a large amount of federal spending that, that is inflationary in and of itself, particularly when it is deficit financed, which we know it is in our country, we deficit finance because we have this wonderful trade deficit that allows us to do that. Um, uh, but I digress. Job openings per the JOLTS report for February, uh, back below 10 million. The estimate actually was 10.5. It came in at 9.93. And the prior month, that's January, was also revised lower. So job openings late last year were 12 million. We're now under 10 million. That's a pretty significant decline. And we expect that number to keep coming down. And remember how job openings far exceeded the number of unemployed people. And that was inflationary in and of itself with job openings coming down. And I expect the number of unemployed people, unfortunately, to go higher in the coming months. That gap between the two, that inflationary gap really is likely to begin to close down. Weekly claims for unemployment came in at 228, but the week before was revised massively higher from 198 all the way to 246,000. So even though this looks like, well, it's a decline, you can see this trend here starting to go up and to the right. And then our first one, you know, almost at 250, um, you're gonna say for sure you're in a recession at around 275, 300. Sub 300 is still a relatively healthy jobs market. I've said that for a long time. All the way down at 200, kind of where we've been, is super robust, ebullient, almost inflationary jobs market. Um, so we're getting more to that neutral phase and go much higher. We will start certainly declaring recession there. But because that services sector is still pretty strong, uh, we're not there yet. We got factory orders for February. They were down seven tenths of a percent, a little bit below expectations. But January revised significantly lower from minus 1.6 to minus 2.1. So that's a sign of deceleration in the economy. Durable goods, that's a volatile series. So you can't put a lot into it unless you get a bunch of negative months in a row. We just got two so far. February durable goods down about 1%. Now, moving on to the two big jobs reports. We got the Bureau of Labor Statistics report and the ADP Employment Change Report for the month of March. ADP Employment Change Report said that the economy added 145,000 jobs. That was well below the 210,000 estimates 
and well below where we were back in 20 and 21 when we had these massive jobs gains coming on and we're getting down now to low levels and not 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 negative levels but that's certainly possible um, if we continue the high grades and et cetera et cetera then we've had the bureau of labor statistics the official government report uh, that's the lowest reading we have seen um, well in the history of this chart so well over a year it's a one-year chart you can see that 236,000 uh, the estimate was 230 unemployment rate was 3.5 that's down a tenth from last month and labor force participation is up just a tad at 62.6 but as I say I've been saying I think that that weekly report is going to start to go higher I believe the ADP and the BLS non-farm payrolls reports are going to go lower and the reason I cite for that, all of the slowing I've mentioned, but in addition to that, we've got this challenger job cuts report. And this measures announcements of jobs cuts. And announcements of job cuts come before the actual job cuts, which all come before the actual filing for unemployment and then continued claims for unemployment. And as you can see, this has been trending higher all year. And when job cuts are up 300% year over year, it's highly likely that you're in uh, a recession. I do think it's somewhat mild, I might, I might say. So I've come to the conclusion, as you know, if you listen to this on a weekly basis, that a preponderance of the evidence suggests the U.S. is in a recession. So just to summarize some of these items here, multi-month manufacturing contraction, growth in the services sector coming out of COVID has slowed considerably. We can't undervalue the negative impact of the regional banking crisis. You know, banks create money, money creates economic activity. The way that banks create money is they make loans. Well, when banks are being run on, the last thing they wanna do is make loans, particularly in a regional space to small businesses, which is the lifeblood and the engine of growth in the economy, right? Massive publicly traded corporations go to the bond markets, the capital markets, massive debt, you know, investment banking type deals. But, but local markets make loans on construction products, projects, uh, car lot loans, hot dog carts at the, at the golf course or at the ballpark, uh, coffee shops, franchises, all of these things that depend on regional banking. Are, are not, they're just not getting loans this week until this crisis blows over. That in itself is uh, disinflationary. Housing prices are trending lower. The yield curve from three months to 10 years has been inverted. It's been inverted for uh, since October uh, and it has been, uh, it's significantly inverted. It's been inverted for a very long time now. Uh, we had nine interest rate hikes, totaling 4.75% the course of the year. Money supply growth, M2, first time in history, is actually negative, very disinflationary. Fed balance sheet holding shrinking, disinflationary. Little pop higher for the banking situation, but that's different from the assets they purchase, purchase in the open market through open market operations. So in the, from, the, from the prospect of looking at inflation and economic growth, Fed balance sheet holdings are absolutely shrinking. And as I mentioned just recently, one slide ago, the job cut data suggests uh, losses are coming. Moving on though, what does that mean for investors? Well, uh, usually bonds are good. We saw that last week. 
the question is always, well, what about stocks, right? Most of us have anywhere from 40 to 70% of our portfolio invested in stocks. And when you look at this graph of the S&P 500, it's actually trending higher, right? Here's the, the white line is the S&P 500 itself, almost at 4,100 this morning. The, it's above its 50-day moving average, which is trending higher. And it's above its 200-day moving average, which is bottomed. And even that could be argued as going higher. And it's doing that going into earnings season. We have a lot of big names this week. We've got Fossenal, uh, Delta Airlines, Wells Fargo, JP Morgan, BlackRock, Citi, Charles Schwab, and JB Hunt and others all reporting this week. And the market's really hanging in there kind of strong. The other big thing we have to look forward to is the Federal Reserve Open Market Committee meeting uh, in about three weeks on May 3rd. At that time, the Fed could signal they're done hiking rates, in which case stocks could get a bid and run higher. But what happens between now and May 3rd is really up to earnings. What's going to happen with corporate earnings? We always start with the big financial names. Those I mentioned those stocks, mostly financial this week. Um, and earnings estimates for the S&P 500, which have been trending lower since June of last year, kind of stopped going down and have sort of leveled out here at about 225. Many Wall Street analysts are suggesting that they're holding off on cutting the estimates until this quarterly earnings season, which is beginning this week. And if the guidance is lower from the companies, then they're like, you're likely to see this number go sharply lower. Something, you know, 212, 215, something like that for forward earnings. Uh, on the other hand, if the earnings surprise to the upside and they come in relatively good and the Fed signals their things are near the end of their hiking cycle, then maybe stocks could bottom. I mean, going back to this chart here, you know, what do you look for, right? You've got this low, then you've got a high, but it wasn't confirmed over there, right? It didn't pass that one. But then a, a higher low than that one, then a higher high than that one, then a higher low than that. And the question is right here, does the S&P kind of run into this resistance around 4,100 or does it break through and go to another higher high? And that I think is dependent on what happens here in the next three weeks between earnings and ultimately uh, the Fed activity. Okay, thanks for tuning in. Oh, economic data this week, wholesale inventories uh, today, small business optimism on Tuesday, CPI and PPI Wednesday and Thursday, very important ahead of the Fed meeting on May 3rd, federal budget deficit meetings from the last meeting, which was March 22nd. And we got weekly jobs claims as always, retail sales. I think that number might come in higher than expected on Thursday. Industrial production and utilization, and then Michigan consumer sentiment. Don't forget this is available both subscription-based. Send us an email, info at efficient-portfolios.com. You get the commentary with the slides, graphs, and charts every week. Or if you just want to listen to the audio, it is on any smart device. Just say, play the podcast, Slaying Bulls and Bears. Thanks again. Be back to you again one week from today.